So uh, how many of you are familiar with the phrase double booking or triple booking or quadruple booking? Anyone? Anyone? I, uh, so in my 20s, when I was fully immersed in campus ministry, I, was, I had a really, really bad habit of double booking and triple booking and quadruple booking. That's where you schedule people to meet with you uh, at the same time, two or three. You might have experienced this with your, at your doctor's office which is the normal, kind of normal for busy doctor's offices for doctors uh, to book three or four people at the same, in the same time slot. Um, but with, for doctor's offices, hopefully they have nurses and MAs and PAs that come in, take your temperature, take your blood pressure before the doctors rotate in. So it's able to be done. Uh, but for me, I had a bad habit of doing this because it was very hard for me to say no to people and very easy for me to say yes, yes, I'll hang out with you. Yes, let's have coffee. Yes, let's meet. And in one week, I would meet with 20 or 30 students and it'd be students and students and students, coffees, one-on-ones, hard truths, affirming moments, healing prayer, ministry coaching. Um, and I would be in the hum when I was at UW. Yes, lunch on Friday? Okay, you got it, let's do it. Later that day, lunch on Friday? Let's do it. Later that day, lunch on Friday? Yes, I'm free, let's do it. And then the problem comes at noon on Friday when I realize I'm getting all these texts that are saying, we still on? Are we still on? Are we still on? And the challenge always came, and I actually quite enjoyed it, uh, and how I would work my way out of the problem. <laughs> right? Hey, Danny, can we push back our meeting an hour? Or, hey, yeah, let's meet. I have this new group discipleship thing I want to try out. Right? Kill two birds or three birds with one stone. Let's all meet together. Right? The problem with that was uh, when uh, the person was like, well, I can't meet in a group with Jane because actually I wanted to talk to you about Jane. So we can't do group discipleship. Oh, my fault. Let me call Jane. Uh, Jane, uh, I wanted to, I'm feeling sick. Can we push back our meeting? So triple booking and double booking, it's really difficult because what it's saying is what you really need is three people, right? Or an MA and a PA and an assistant to do like pre pre-interview questions or pre-talking, pre-discipleship, but there's just one of me, not three of me, but my heart wants to please everybody, right? My heart is divided among everyone. I want to say yes to everything, and so I triple book or quadruple book, and then I have to backpedal or find my ways out of these situations. Good thing I grew out of this, right? I grew out of this, and I learned that The most important and effective thing for me is actually to have boundaries, actually to say no, actually to have a calendar and a schedule, and and to focus on what I was doing. It's not the sheer number and pleasing the masses or like multiplying my time when I didn't have time, but actually being laser sharp in what I was doing and focusing and, and being okay with, I can only do this. Today. I can only meet with this many people today, or this is what God will have me do this week, and to be settled in that, and to be relaxed in that, and be like, at the end of the week, 
God is saying, good and faithful servant, well done. Are you with me, church? And we've been discussing that Jesus' Beatitudes convey the traits and characters of citizens of the upside-down kingdom, right? He's ushering in this kingdom where God reigns, where he reigns. And these Beatitudes are qualities of the people who would be citizens in this upside-down kingdom. And we see all around us in society and the culture, um, probably on social media, you've seen the phrase, hashtag blessed, right? And what that means for our culture and society at large, you win the game, you're hashtag blessed. You're the champions of the season, hashtag blessed. You score the promotion, you are hashtag blessed. You find your car keys, you're hashtag blessed. God has allowed you to be on the up and up, you are hashtag blessed. And I don't want to categorically dismiss these victories and celebrations as bad in of themselves. But in Jesus' Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, Jesus gives us a fuller, more profound, more countercultural vision of what it means to be blessed. Amen? When you are poor, you are blessed. When you mourn, you are blessed. When you are meek, you are blessed. In your hunger and your thirst, you are blessed. In extending mercy, you are blessed. And for the most part, these Beatitudes uh, we've addressed so far in the past week seem to reveal that we are people who serve a God of reversals, right? God, it's an upside-down kingdom. God blesses and is a God of reversals. Or put a different way, God sees us and meets us and blesses us when we are not at our best. But when our walls are down, when we are vulnerable and wholehearted before him, that's when God sees and can meet you. Um, and this may seem counterintuitive uh, that we are blessed at our worst or our weakest or most vulnerable. But I wanna posit to you that this is actually a call to be more human. It is human to mourn. It is human to thirst. It is human to show compassion and be merciful. It is human to be right with others and to want to be right with God. And then religion that actually stifles what it means to be human in favor of some robotic program towards perfection is not true religion at all, right? I desire mercy above sacrifice. I, de I desire justice and mercy and compassion over all of your religious festivals, over all of your ceremonies, over all your rites, over all your religious activity. I want your heart, and I wanna see your heart extended to the people around you. A legalistic religion that takes us away from being more of who God has created us to be is a farce. It's legalism. It's the Tower of Babel. But then when we look at our uh, beatitude today, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, you might say, wait a second, Dave, you just said it's about being more human. 
But this, being pure in heart, it sounds like some sort of activity towards perfection, right? And actually, the most pure of us will actually see God. That's, when you think about it, you're going to see God? Where in scripture have people seen God? It's like a high honor to see God. If you reread the Old Testament, Moses even says, show me your glory. He's the one on the mountaintop, having the mountaintop experience. And God's like, okay, but you can't see me directly. You can't gaze directly into my face or you will die. But I'll let you see my back. Other parts in scripture, it talks about the angels. The angels who are sinless, who are in heaven with God. And they cover their faces and bow their heads to not look at the face of God. So there, you can read for that, that this sense like, unless you're pure, completely clean, completely sinless, completely good, without any blemish, just clean, you can't gaze upon God. I'm like, okay, yesterday I said a mean word, a mad word to someone on the road. I'm gonna look at God. I'm just burn sand on the ground, right? None shall pass. Uh, I didn't pass the test. But I think the problem with that is um, we often traditionally look at pureness and heart or the word purity or pure as being clean, right? Perfectly clean. Uh, especially when it comes to our sexuality, or spiritually, spiritual cleanness. We, we do not touch dirty things. We do not say dirty things. We do not do dirty things. We don't hang out with dirty people or be in dirty environments. We are pure, unblemished. The sheet is white and we are all virgins. But biblical purity is better described as spiritual, single-mindedness. Are you with me, church? Wholeheartedness. As one writer writes of purity, it is focused single-mindedness. In a sense, it's a contradiction of multitasking. I can understand this. I'm not a multitasker. Like, when I try to do two things, one stops. If this hand starts doing things, this hand stops. If this hand starts doing it, this hand stops. I can't multitask. So if purity of heart is like spiritual, not multitasking, I'm down with that. One thing, keep it simple, stupid. Purity is the contradiction of double booking or triple booking or quadruple booking. Didn't Jesus say it in Matthew or in Luke 9? He says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 58 of Luke 9. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Ooh, that sounds harsh, right? Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, the first, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. 
Imagine if I were courting my wife. If we were, you know, before this time, before our marriage, I was courting her. And this Friday is Valentine's Day, right? I better get that reservations. Magdalene, you better have that reservation. Um, we have our reservations, and I double book her. Right? Oh, I'm gonna take this lady out on Friday at 5 p.m. I'm gonna take this lady out. Friday at 6 p.m., Friday at 8 p.m., I'm going to take her out. Would my wife have married me? No, right? There's no multitasking or double booking with a woman's heart, right? <laughs> one woman, one person. Our God is a jealous God. You can't be this, that, this, that. You're not going to double book or triple book God. Wholehearted, single-minded, focused on God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Then all these things will be added unto you. But seek first the kingdom of heaven. We have one hope, one faith, one peace, one joy. Pursue that hope. Pursue that joy. Amen? Amen. And that's what Jesus is talking about, being pure in heart. Don't multitask. Don't be divided. Be single-minded on God, and then you will see him. Amen? It's like John in John 15, the abide passages. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, do ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Right? If you're not with God and you're going to ask, you're going to ask for the wrong things. And he's going to be like, what? What do I have to do with you? But if you're in with God, God is walking alongside you and you're single-minded, focused on God and the things of God, and then you pray and ask, God's like, you're my, you're, we're partners. We're in a relationship. I, I want that for you. I'm going to give that to you. And this is what Jesus is saying, right? You cannot hold your hand to the plow. Wait, let me finish plowing my land. And then follow Jesus who's calling you that way. The plow's going that way. Jesus is calling you that way. You can't do this. I'll follow you, Jesus. Right? And mind you, the plows were pulled by oxen, right? strong beasts. It's going to be more like this. It sounds harsh, but God is a jealous God. First things first, single-mindedness. I will follow you wherever you go. Let me bury my father. Surely, family, right? This is a hard, a hard one for some of us, like, Family. Jesus, let the dead bury the dead. It's harsh. But what Jesus is saying is when I say follow, when I say go, you say yes and go. We have a jealous God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For me, this is difficult. Because oftentimes, competing things always come up in my heart. Oh, God, just let me build my platform. Let me become at least, you know, a pastor with a large social media following. Right? Then I have some influence, right? Some, some notoriety. No. Follow me. Be faithful. God, let me be 
one of those pastors on the Instagram preacher sneakers. Let me have $500 sneakers. Can I have an entourage behind me and a helicopter that brings me onto campus and have my face on a screen at multiple campuses? Just let me have that. Be faithful. Follow me. When I was um, graduating from college and thinking about my life and my calling, I wanted to, I decided to go into campus ministry, parachurch. And my dad, being a pastor, a Korean pastor, he like took me to another Korean pastor and he said, This pastor, his church will support you through seminary if you go to seminary first. You must go to seminary first. Uh, I don't know, I feel God is calling me. He's like, No. The only way is through seminary and becoming a pastor, which ultimately happened, right? But later, but I felt God was calling me in this direction. And in that sense, I felt the pressure of family saying one thing where God was saying another, right? And those are the types of choices that disciples make is if God says go, we go. And we need to realize in our lives, what are the things that are dividing our heart from being fully focused and devoted to Jesus Christ? Right? What are those things? What are those things? For me, coming up in a pastor's home, in, uh, in the church, in the Korean immigrant church, there are certain things that were are kind of built into the structures of the church about what it means to be pastor, what it means to have authority, what it means to have respect, right? This is what it means to have respect as a leader in the church. You have to make sure you're honor, being honorific to the deacons and the elders and the chief settings, the chunda settings, right? All of these terms, right, that you call people and everyone always called my father, moksanin, moksanin, monjokaseo, go first. Eat first, or how many eat first? And this, this respect, it's funny because now Maggie and Uriel sometimes they'll be like, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, go, go. <laughs> you know, first of all, I'll be like, this makes me so uncomfortable. I kind of like it though, but it makes me uncomfortable. It's like, I'm torn. I'm like, I've got this Korean side, respect me, honor the title, authority, pastor. And then this other side is like, Man, this church, we're all about being lay led in this church. We're all priesthood of all believers, you know. We all build this church. It's not like the pastor. And so in my life, it's my discipleship and my healing has been this constant kind of battle between am I pursuing respect and authority as the world would see it? Or am I am I pursuing this upside down? you know, blessing, like, in order to be a leader, you must first be servant of all. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. And ultimately, that's what Jesus did. He laid his life down. And that's a hard teaching. I mean, think about it. It's a hard teaching. So what does it mean to pursue the things that actually divide, it, divide our hearts, to let those go? and to seek a wholeheartedness and a single-mindedness for the sake of the kingdom of God, right? What, kind, what would it look like if we became 
that kind of people, right, that said yes to the will of God in our decision-making. We always brought it to God, like, have your way, Lord. We want to pursue you. What are you doing in our midst? What are you doing in our neighborhood around us? What are you doing in our hearts, Lord? Teach us. Tell us. We want to listen. We want to say yes. We want to be faithful instead of just trying to like hold on to whatever Gilligan's Island is ours, right? Whatever piece of land is ours to like rule over and reign, right? To have our palms up and let go and let God, to be pure in heart as a whole church, single-minded and focused. Another place for me uh, is the realm of politics. I may watch too much CNN every day, right? Because it just kind of sinks into me. And it's so hard to watch different narratives and be like, how can there be another narrative than this? This is true. I want to like change people's minds, right? I want to blurt it from a megaphone. And there's a place, it's a tension, like where is the church supposed to be prophetic and speak truth where the government fails or you know, leaders fail or the secular world fails. But also, what does it mean to live into the call that we are peacemakers and bridge builders and we are just extend the love and mercy of Christ to all people and um, I appreciate Margarita bringing the prayers of the faithful and the prayers of the people because it focuses on those who are hurting. <laughs> yeah. And it focuses our attention on the people that we should love. And it focuses our hearts where God has his heart with the poor, with the hurting, with the marginalized. And um, may we be pure in our heart, solely focused on God, and may he reveal his face to us and give us discernment and guidance in the days to come. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge to live in an upside-down kingdom um, with your values in mind. But all of these things are teaching us to be more real, more authentic, more human, more vulnerable before you. To simply say that you are God and you are everything to us. And to lean more fully in trust um, of you and to slowly un unloose our grip on different areas of our lives, to let go and let you. We want to see your face. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, because you are holy and set apart. Open the eyes of our heart that we may be faithful to you and you alone. Will you be our valentine? our only love. In Jesus' name, amen.